you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. Public speaking is the number one fear in the world. I started a business during the recession in 2009 here in the U.S. People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but yeah. they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. I mentor people with master's degrees, with PhDs, and I help people who have been in business for a long time. I have deal with, with a nutrition store maybe a half mile away from my facility, and we, we cross promote. You know, we help out to give our clients what they need. That's where, where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point, Sunday, everyone. Last day in January. Here we are with episode number 38 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, the tank top wearing Robert B. Foster. So you guys know how we do this. We're going to keep this show motivational, educational, entertaining, and transformational. So we all know our central theme. It's about personal development. It's about overcoming obstacles, climbing those mountains, not making excuses, doing what needs to be done to reach your goal, regardless of what life throws at you. Excuse me. So to help me out with that talk today, I found someone hailing from Brooklyn, New York. She is a wife and she's a mother of two who's an executive leadership coach whose mission it is to magnify the voices of women and minorities in their workspaces. After a decade in a corporate world, making other people rich, she took her talents to the world by opening her own coaching practice. So today we're going to discuss how the traditional American dream does not work. And helping me out with that conversation is Marie DeVoe. Welcome. Hello, hello. So glad to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me on. 
My pleasure. How'd I do with the intro? Oh, excellent. Absolutely fantastic. I feel like I'm on like WWE. This is amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. First time I've heard that one. <laughs> All right. So you spent you spent several decades in the corporate world. So mm-hmm. let's let's backtrack and then how did you originally pick that course of action? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I grew up like many people. My my parents come from an immigrant background, uh, came to this country, met here, started their family, and were like, you know, this is the place to be, right? Anyone can have success, the American dream, you know, education is accessible, all types of riches are accessible. And so I grew up really thinking that if I worked hard enough, got into the right schools, that I could do anything I wanted. And um, I mean, turns out that's not exactly how things went, right? But I think for many people, and a lot of people who especially come to this country looking for that, they, kind of underestimate two main factors, right? The the first being um, that we live in a technology age, the age of information. And my father um, did not have, you know, formal education at the higher ed level, right? Uh, He became a computer programmer um, by being self-taught. And he always embedded in us that, you know, the books at the library are free. Mm. Right. You know, there's education all around you if you're only willing to take advantage of that. And I think this this idea that you have to spend a lot of money on on an education in order to get the job that you want is largely outdated. And I think a lot of people need to really rethink that. You know, I have a lot of clients who come to me and say, hey, you know, I just finished my undergrad. Should I just go and get this master's? And I'm like, what are you doing that for? Because that is an investment, not just in money, but that is time, that is brain power, that is energy. And what are you trying to get to with all that? How long is it going to take you to get that investment back to see that return? And people don't really take that into account, right? So so that's the first thing. And then the other thing I think is people really underestimate uh, the challenges out here, right? Yes, the American dream, right? We all want, you know, whatever success is, right? Uh, you know, the house, the two-guard garage, a picket fence, two and a half kids, all that good stuff. Um, and a lot of people, they achieve that, right? But when we're talking about women, minorities, people who identify as other in any way, there are some inherent challenges that we cannot ignore, right? And so we're talking about access, not just to information, but access to the powers that be, people have to really take a hard look at what are the challenges that arrive. And just like any other goal, you wouldn't sit here, map out your plans, write your goals, and not consider your contingencies for when the roadblocks arrive. Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You are going to be challenged. And I think when people talk about the American dream, they somehow conveniently ignore that there will be challenges. And they're different depending on who you are, where you come from, um, and definitely your mindset. Right. Yes. Um, agreed. Agreed. We are in the way you're from. Say so on these shows, like I take lot, lots of notes. Yes. <laughs> you know, especially because especially you know you know you talk kind of fast, so I'm sitting there I do. Writing, writing really fast trying to. You keep know, up. it's so funny you said because I told myself I'm like I'm going to slow down today. I'm going to really slow down today. So the fact that you're like, yeah, still very fast. More pauses. No, I got you. No, it's all right. It's all right. Just be you. Just be you. All right. So. All right. So uh, in that American dream, yes, Mm -hmm. there's definitely going to be roadblocks. But is it fair to say that there's roadblocks for a lot of different people? Right. Right. So and I definitely agree that most people, you know, when when I do when I do my my talks in schools, when schools are open. Right. You know, I go and talk to the high school kids and start letting them know, you know, whatever you're going to do beyond high school you want to do something that makes you happy. Right. Right. When you do something that makes you happy, you know, you'll you'll find the right path 
where you can have your financial success. Right. But there's, right. there's so many people out there that have financial success and they're slowly dying inside. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and I think part of that is because they're chasing that American dream, the two, the house, the two car garage. Right. What, what, what'd you say? Two and a half kids? Two and a half kids. 2.5. <laughs> right? Everyone's 2.5 kids. Three is a real commitment. But half, right? But I mean, but I mean, I was I was the same way. And I love this idea of like thinking about people finding their passion and like chasing that, right? Yes. Um, I grew up where it was always embedded in our home, right? If you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Right. And so, but a lot of people don't even know what that is, right? Because they spend all this time chasing what they think they're supposed to do, right? Who they're no. supposed to be. Right. And it's it's so funny. I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Marvel comic universe. I don't know yeah. if that's your jam. Okay, so yeah. we just rewatched Family Movie Night this week was Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And there's this great line, right? Thor's mom gives him some wisdom and, and she tells him, you know, you need to stop being who you're supposed to be so you could be who you are. Yes. Yep. And folks who are chasing that American, they're, they're chasing who they're supposed to be and they're skipping really finding out who they are. Um, I did not want to be a business person. Right. Um, coming up, I did ballet from the age of four. I thought I was going to be a professional dancer. That was my dream. Right. Because when yeah. I'm dancing, I'm like flying. I'm like on a high. Mm. Right. You can't tell me God doesn't exist because I could dance and I can feel that in my body. Right. Yeah. And for a lot of people, you might find that thing. Some people, it takes a little longer to find that thing. But when I turned 13, I found out I had scoliosis. I had major back surgery. Mm. Right. And for the kind of dance that I was doing in ballet, you need full mobility and feeling in your spine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay like, a little bit. A little bit, right? And I, I'm sure you recognize, like coming from the fitness world, like your spine's kind of everything. Yes. Uh, so, so, so my dance career got cut short and I was devastated. I was like, okay, well, God doesn't exist. I don't know who I'm supposed to be in the world. And I had to figure out another path, another way. Right. And so for me, what that looked like was hitching my my cart onto this idea of the American dream. So I worked really hard in school. I got the good grades. I went to a really great college, um, but I was hustling the entire way, just trying to figure out and get to this ideal of who I was supposed to be. Right. Yeah. And so uh, by the by the time I'm I'm I, I come to New York. Right. Because I grew up on the West Coast, came to New York for school, um, finished NYU in three years because I was on a mission. Right. I also. That tuition is no joke. So yep. let's not make any, <laughs> any mistake there, right? Finished in three years, hopped out of there, uh, started working in nonprofit. And my first job in nonprofit, because remember, I didn't want to be a business person, but my first job in nonprofit, I moved to Prince George's County, Maryland, and I was a caseworker for adjudicated youth in that county. And those who are familiar with the DMV area know that Prince George's County is a very depressed county, right, economically. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, I had a roster of 30, 28 of them were boys ages nine to 18 and yeah. all got picked up for dumb stuff where honestly, I'm like, how is it that these men are being locked up? Young, young boys being locked up for stuff that you would think of as like pranks when we were growing up. Right. Mm, okay. But now, OK. Right. You, you messed around. You scratched up somebody's car. Now you got a case and I got to go to court with you. Right. So. Yeah. So these, this was my caseload, but coming out of that experience, one, I, I knew two things right away. One, I am not cut out to be a social worker. <laughs> uh, hats off to the people who do that work. That is soul giving work. I yes. appreciate you. I adore you. That is not my calling. Okay. Um, what I did learn though, was that I have a passion for education. Yes. And so coming out of that experience, I came back to New York and I said, I want to work in education. And I got into education management. I also learned in that job because 
uh, working as a caseworker, working in social worker, you don't make very much money. And I had just spent three years slaving at NYU to get this amazing education. And I was making 23 grand a year. Oh, wow. Which turns out is not quite a living wage. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately I was like, okay, I've, now I've got to really figure some things out. And um, what ended up happening, I got into real estate right away. By the time I was 24, I'd bought two investment properties in Philly. Wow. Um, I started studying uh, finance. So got all of my investment licenses. Right. And I'm climbing the corporate ladder all the way. So I got into management right away, was doing a lot in the education management space. So running physical locations for after school tutoring programs. I worked in the SCORE franchise. I worked for Kumon. I worked for Kaplan, all of these places that really dedicated to helping young people get their minds right. Okay. And by the time I was 30, I was then director of training and development for a major charter school network here in New York, right? So I did all this climbing, uh, got a master's degree along the way. So still hustling, still hustling. And a lot of people, I tell this story and they say, oh, right, so you had you had something to prove. And I was like, mm, a little bit, a little bit, right? Because <laughs> God told me I was supposed to be a dancer. He lied, we had words. And then I had to figure, <laughs> yeah. out, I had to figure out something else. So I'm desperately trying to find what my thing is. And um, working at the last corporate role that I had, um, I was the director of training and development and learning and development. And so my sole job was to craft and develop leaders and to codify how is it that we get the adults to act like grownups so that kids really get to shine, right? Um, and I found doing that work lit me up and I grew an entire department, right? Um, when I started at the organization, they had four schools. When I left, they had 32 schools and I was the one running and training all of the operation staff for these buildings. Wow. And, um, and it was fantastic. I loved my team, you know, and something happens when you're really working with people you really love to work with doing work that you love, right? Yep. Um, and uh, there came a time though where I, even my runway there had kind of run out. I was like, there's nowhere left for me to grow here. And um, after growing my department, I, I looked to my COO and I said, I think I need a new challenge. Switch me to a different department. Okay. Biggest mistake I could have made. Um, because culture is very real, right? And just because you're doing well in one part of a business doesn't mean you're going to succeed in another. And I found very quickly in this new department um, that the head honcho there and I did not get along. We did not see eye to eye. She very much was intimidated by me and what I had already created. And she had no qualms about sharing that with me and mm -hmm. letting me know, you know, you're too much, you're too quiet. Maybe you shouldn't share so many ideas. And then she would turn around and share my ideas as her own and company-wide. Right. So I'm like, you know what? This ain't my jam. Uh, <laughs> and I remember, and this is a time when um, I'm working ridiculous hours, right? So by this time, um, I'd had uh, my, my second child. So my daughter had been born and uh, I'm on like mom duty, right? So I would, I arranged my schedule. I got permission so that I could come into work at 7 a.m. Right. Which means I'm getting up at four or five o'clock. Right. Because I got to get kids ready, whatnot, hop on the train because this is in New York, hop on the train to get to work. Um, I'm in the office by seven. I work until two and then I leave at two so I can go home, pick up my kids, do after school. Right. Mm -hmm. Homework, dinner time, bedtime, all of that. Be back online at 10 p.m. at night so I could check email and catch up, uh, usually going to sleep at then two o'clock so I could sleep for three hours and do it again the next day. Wow. So one morning I come into the office at 7 a.m. and I call my sister and I'm like, I don't think I could do this much longer. I don't think this is it. Right. And to everyone else, like it looks great. Like 
And it's funny, like looking back at that time, how many people are like, oh my gosh, how would you do it all? Like you're, you're a director, you're in this leadership position at this amazing organization and you have this amazing family and your team is great and all these things. Um, but at the same time, I'm like getting barely any sleep. I'm grinding my teeth at night. I have no time to exercise, right? Severely fatigued. I ended up um, with severe kidney stones, right? Mm -hmm. Which knocked me out, which if, if anyone has any familiarity with stones, that is the worst pain you will ever experience. And I have had two children. I was on uh, someone's show on Thursday and she just recently went through that last weekend and she said the exact same thing. It, that is like, a like I have never had pain like that in my life. Um, but all of this, you know, outwardly, like everyone's like, oh, you're doing great. But meanwhile, my body is giving me signals. My body is telling me something is wrong. And that's the one thing I think people don't realize. And, you know, remember, I, I started as a dancer, very much in touch with my body. And somehow along the way, I stopped listening. Mm. Right. And I think a lot of people who experience burnout, if you actually look back, there were signs that you chose to ignore, Yep. right? Oftentimes because you're committed to success, the dream, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And meanwhile, your body is giving you all these signals and these messages. Yep. Um, and so I came in one morning at 7 a.m. I, I called my sister, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't the place for me. They're clipping my wings. I can't grow here. And she said, right, but didn't you just have a performance review? Didn't you just get straight fives? Don't they owe you a five figure bonus? I was like, true. She's like, don't leave money on the table. When did they pay out bonuses? I said, in seven weeks, seven weeks, they're going to pay out bonuses, right? She said, you need to stay the seven weeks. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. That same afternoon, my new manager calls me and she says, you know, I came in this morning and I sat in the room next to you and I listened to your whole conversation. Ah. I'm like, okay, now, Rob, I know you to be a very direct communicator, so you might feel me on the next <laughs> right? Because I am also very direct. If I don't like you, you know it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and so I say to her, I'm like, okay. And there was nothing that happened in that conversation that we have not already discussed very openly. So you let me know what you need to do because it's five o'clock on a Friday and we got a whole lot of work to do on Monday. Yep. She did not like that answer. <laughs> so Monday now, now I'm sitting down with her and the executive director of the organization and they choose to tell me that uh, I'm lucky to have a job, that I don't know anything about management, even though wow. master's in management, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> that uh, clearly I have no work experience. Granted, I had already worked 10 years for other organizations doing the exact thing I had created for them. Yeah. And, um, and that if I couldn't prove myself worthy, that I would have to find another place of employment. Wow. So I think this whole thing is like hilarious. And granted, um, the, uh, this is in New York. This meeting that I had on a Monday morning, 7 a.m. in Harlem, right? I'd spent 90 minutes on the train getting there. I made sure to wear my blackity blackest outfit, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm talking Ankara pants, fro was picked all the way out, got a peppermint tea from a man on the corner before I walked in there. I'm not playing games. I don't apologize for being who I am. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was also taught from a young age, what other people think about you is none of your business. Yep. So I'm sorry you're offended by the truth. That is how I feel, right? Great. Uh, so, so we have that conversation in the next six weeks then, they use that time to strip me of my entire team. Wow. They start telling folks at the organization, I have no authority, do not listen to me. It gets to a point where people stop looking me in the eye in meetings. Yeah, so right. they wanted you to leave, but they didn't want to fire you. Oh yeah, and believe me, I know the deal, right? Yeah. I work in learning and development. I'm like this with the HR department. Yeah. Right, this is, this is what you call, you have to look for a reason to justify why you're firing someone, because I am now what we call a protected group, right? Yeah. 
I'm black and I'm a woman. If you fire me, you need proof because that is a definite lawsuit. Yeah. Right. If you do not have cause, this is discrimination. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so they're doing all the things, you know, trying to document stuff, sending me emails, trying to get me to, to confirm that there was a typo in the memo, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, in that six weeks, what am I doing? I start working in the atrium across the street because I don't need this toxicity in my life, right? Yep. Um, I launch my website. I build out content for my website. I book a new client, right? I am doing all the things that I need to do for myself because at the end of the day, uh, this company is going to come and go. My gifts are forever. Yep. Right? Exactly. So exactly six weeks to the day when they fire me, I'd already come in over the weekend, cleared out my desk, moved my files, done what I had to do for myself. They fire me and I tell them, you know what? Good luck to you and the organization. And that evening I caught a flight to San Francisco because I was doing a two day training for Facebook. Wow. And that's how I started my business. Nice. Um, my business started in the summer. I made 50 grand that year. The following year I did six figures. It's been growing ever since. We're five years in and I don't, I don't look back. And I tell Amazing. people, right? <laughs> but I, I tell people, right? Like the same thing is possible if you're willing to actually commit to your gifts and really investigate who you are and what you're about instead of getting caught up in this who you're supposed to be. Yes, yeah, see, and now that's that's amazing because when I, when I work with my clients, that's what we start with. Like, I just sit there and I just ask them questions, kind of how kind of how, how we're doing now, but this is just more, you know, talk, talk show-ish. Right. So I sit here, like, here, here's, here's my notebook. I sit with people and I, I just listen to them talk. I'm like just, and and as I'm writing stuff down. And they're saying things that are golden gems and they don't even realize it. Right. And so after a while, I said, so are you aware that you can do X, Y, Z? And they're like, uh, no, <laughs> like you can. It's like you have so much power sitting inside of you that you don't even understand it. But yet you're committed to going to work for 50 hours a week for a job you can't stand. <laughs> you know, it's like right. people, people will make that commitment. Right. Then, then your offer them said, listen, you know, pay me, pay me $5,000 and we can create an entire brand for you. We can, uh, we can unpack your stories. We can start a podcast for you. We can get you writing blogs. We can get you sharing your message on a global stage from the spare room in your house right. and, and make you a six figure <laughs> business. And, and they say, that sounds like a scam. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, what you're doing now is the scam. Right. Right. <laughs> you're in a job you hate that you can't grow in. That is the scam. But it's so crazy. But again, like, that's not what we're taught, though. We're taught, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yes. This is what successful. I'm supposed to work for 40 years so that I maybe get to enjoy the last 10 of my life. What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Who is selling this, like, snake oil, right? Yep. Um, but that's right. what people believe. Yes. To that point, to that point, I spoke at a career school down in Narragansett, Rhode Island here. And I, I spoke there three years in a row. And the middle school kids, they already know the life cycle. You know, they're like, you know, you're born, you go to kindergarten, then you go to middle school, well, elementary school, middle school, like you go to high school, you go to college, you work, you retire, you die. Mm. It's like these are seventh and eighth graders Right. that know that timeline already. Right. So it's indoctrinated. And I got bit by it too. I got bit oh. by it. Like I dropped out of college uh, three times. <laughs> but, Good but, on you. That's like a real <laughs> accomplishment. Oh my goodness. I'm consistent, damn it. <laughs> but, but like 
as you were saying earlier, you know, I, I wasn't going there for the education. I was trying to qualify for the Olympics in track and field. Okay. So, so that was the next level. Then right, I ended right. up injuring myself, kind, kind of like you would dance, you know, so I ended up injuring my knee and I was able to fight back from the injury. The next year I made it to all American status in the junior mm -hmm. Olympic circuit. Yeah. But then in the nationals, I ended up hurting my knee again. And then that's when I knew the Olympic dream was dead. Yeah. But then I just got super depressed. I didn't want to be in school. And I was like, well, if I if I'm not gonna go, go to school, I guess I'm gonna be stuck managing restaurants because you're huh. told without a degree, you, right, you can't do anything. This, yeah, you'll be nothing right. in this world. And now in my coaching program, I mentor people with bachelors, masters, PhDs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, right. so like a lot of it sometimes, you know, I'm not knocking people with people with education. I have one one son who graduated college already. My daughter's in college now. Yeah. My younger daughter, she's already looking at Penn State or LSU, you know, so I'm, yep, yep. I'm, I'm preaching the education, but what are you going to do with it? Right. That's the problem. People have right. education and they don't know what to do with it. Well, I think that's I think that's part of the issue, right? Is we just teach people to just go to college to go to college. Yeah. Like if you actually know what you're going for, like what is that educate? What are you going for? 17 years old, I am convinced, is not old enough to know what you want to do with your life. Mm. Okay. Like, and I think we put a lot of pressure on young people to declare a major, declare an intention when they're not even fully grown yet. And they yeah. haven't even done the work to understand. Like, I remember I, I walked into NYU, they had stuff in coursework curriculum that I didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing. I was like, when would I would have comparative literature? Do I want to major in that? I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that, right? Yeah. There's like a whole world out there that people don't even know exists. And sometimes people think, I'll go to college and just pick one. But it's like, I don't even know what half the stuff is. See, now my, my thoughts on that, is I I differ slightly, which is okay because we don't have to agree on everything, right, right? Right. It's a you know how people always say you know you go to college to find yourself, and mm. I told I told my kids that's nonsense. I said yeah. you, got, you got eighteen years to find yourself. I said I'm not spending a hundred grand for you to soul search. Right, right. Right. So so when they're younger, I just think kids are coddled too long. Yeah. Be before okay. before they get to adulthood, like my my younger daughter, she's fourteen now, and well, she's about to be fourteen in a couple of weeks, and I'm already grooming her to become an adult. It's like you know, you can't wait till they're an adult to teach them right. to be an adult. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like we have to start that process now. Right. And even with my older daughter, it's like we we reverse engineered the whole the whole major thing. Yeah. Like, all right, we're gonna start write out every possible thing that makes you happy: music, taking I pictures. Love that dancing, you know, uh, gymnastics, like write out mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. that makes you happy. And then now write down from those things, what, what um, people would you like to work with? Like, like yeah. who, who could you teach those things to? Right. Right. You know? And then we, so we just started writing out who she wanted to work with. Now what industry will give you those two? I love you that. Know? And that's how this, we broke it down. So, but this is the thing though. Most people don't go into college with that kind of goal oriented mindset. Yeah. Cause it's, Most it's people not, aren't not given to them. Yeah. We're not teaching people that. Right. Yeah. Cause before, finally, I mean the world at large, right. Yes. Because it requires like to actually have a parent who's invested in like understanding that and nurturing that for their kid. Yes. Instead of like, Oh, we'll just do go to college. Cause that's what she's supposed to do. Yep. <laughs> yes. Right. I, I had an entire program written called break the cycle geared towards inner city youth because mm -hmm. I, I know a lot a lot of inner city kids of all races are, right. are in single parent homes yep and so 
I, I start, I was working in a boys and girls program here locally. And I found that like a lot of the kids want structure. Like they, they oh, want, yeah. they want direction. They kind of act out just cause they trying to be, they cool. don't have it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But when you, when you break through that facade, it's like this kid really wants guidance. So I came up with a whole program. This was right before COVID. I was supposed to have eight gigs oh <laughs> and then they all got shut down. I was supposed to go to a school in Connecticut and speak to 650 kids. Yeah. And, and that's the topic. I called it break the cycle, you know? And so, so we could start to, to groom them to become adults before right. they're adults. It's like, that's the purpose of childhood. Right. Right. <laughs> I tell, I tell my son all the time. I'm like, uh, cause the other day, right. So, I mean, we're doing remote learning. My kids are still uh, younger than your kids. Right. So we're, we're still in elementary school, okay. um, but my kids are doing remote learning and my son, my kids are very, very smart. Uh, yeah. which is a, a gift and a curse because uh, they get away with everything, right? They yeah. can reason their way out of anything. And my son, his teacher reached out because he's like, you know, the last two weeks, uh, Ben's here, but he's not doing any work. She's like, she's like, I don't know what he's doing. I can see he has other tabs open because he wears glasses, right? So she can see he's doing other stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, she's like, but when I asked him the question, you know, he's like on the spot trying to figure stuff out. Um, she's like, you know, if he could just get back on task, he'll be fine. And it's interesting because he got real nervous that uh, my husband was going to be mad about it. Right. Mm. Oh, no, dad's going to be so upset. And I'm like, and I had to explain to him. I'm like, there is no way that your father, I could ever be angry at you. Yeah. We are never going to be angry at you. The thing that makes us angry is we know who you are and you are not showing people who you are. Yep. Your grades, your performance, that's one way you show people who you are. And when you don't show up as who you are, that is infuriating. Yes. It, I had almost the exact same conversation. Are you ready for this? With with, with my son, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have twin twin boys, ben, Benjamin and, and Ricky. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> but, amazing. But I said almost the exact same same thing because he's he's like, I suck at math. And I, I said, no, you don't suck at math. I said, you don't apply yourself at math. Right. It's like, you know, when, when you're playing, when you're playing video games, all of a sudden you're a mathematician breaking right. down the codes and everything else in the game. I said, but math doesn't interest you. So you don't put forth the effort. I said, and right. that is what I will not tolerate. Exactly. I, I said, if you study, you do all your assignments and the best you come out with is a, is a C. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like right. you, you put the work in, but you're not putting the work in and getting C's like, that's why that's you're getting problem. in trouble. Yes. Yep. That's the yep. issue. I feel that. I feel that 100%. But it's it's interesting, though, because I think for a lot of folks, and I think it's one thing to have someone groom you in that mentality, in that mindset, right? I know for a lot of adults now, right, folks in our age bracket, that yeah. is not how we were raised. That is not the environment we grew up in. And so when I think about, like, my clients, and this is where you get into, like, some juicy stuff, and I ask people, like, okay, so what would your goals look like if they weren't contingent on someone else's happiness? And they're like, oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, like, what would you do if you actually could choose your life? Yeah, culture shock. Right, right, and people are like, what are you talking about? Right, and it, it's it's a hurdle for people to think about. You know, what if I told you you were already your own boss? Right, because that's not what we're taught. We're taught that you go and you work for someone else, and that's like going to be your keys to the kingdom, right? And so, having people really consider, well, what do you own that no one else could take away from you? I feel well, right? It's like, well, your time, right? Yep. Your gifts, intellectual property, all that juicy stuff in your head, that's all yours, right? How could you use that? Because I know for me, um, even divorced from the body, right? Like I wanted to be a dancer, that got taken away. I still had all of this up here, right? 
unlimited potential, yep. right? The library right. is free, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, what could you actually be doing and really like shift this relationship that you have with work? Because work isn't supposed to be the nine to five to 65 and then you die at 75, right? Like, yep. why do we think it has to be that way? Because like you said, it's, it's indoctrination. It's absolutely indoctrination. And you said something earlier too that I speak on all the time about your wings getting clipped. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I speak on that all the time. And I had I had three three cockatiels. And well, I had two. One of them, one of them died, and then I got another one. So the first okay. two were hand-fed, you know, and the hand-fed ones, they're sweet as pie. You know, they'll walk right, they're like little dogs. They'll walk right over to you, you know, climb up and just sit right right on your shoulder. Oh my gosh. So so the third one I got, she was she was from a, an aviary. So mm-hmm. there, there was just uh, like 40 birds in this thing that just fly free. Yeah. This one was not nice at all. <laughs> not at all. And she would fly all over the place and just, you know, pooping everywhere. And mm-hmm. it was just such a hassle. So I looked up how to clip the wings. And so, cause like, it's really, she was just pooping on everything. Right. And so like, you know, the other one, like he was able to fly too, but he was, you know, more used to people. Like he knew to go into his, in his, his cage and stuff. Where, right. Right. Whereas Emily didn't care. <laughs> so, but, but I clipped her wings. And then at that moment, it's like my heart broke because she was yeah. trying to fly and she couldn't. Mm. You know? And I just keep using that, that example with, with other people I was like, you know, we're born with all these gifts, but we allow people to stuff us in a box. Right. And then when we try to get out of the box, people try to stuff us right back in. Right, right. That's the problem in this world is that people aren't allowed to blossom. Yes. But I love that analogy because, too, it reminds me of, you know, like the... um, the elephant who's like chained, right? Yes. Right. Um, and I, I hope like your audience knows this knowledge, but you know, you, you chain an elephant, right? And after a while, the elephant stops trying to where you could then replace that chain with like a string. Yeah. And the elephant won't even try nope. to escape anymore, right? Just the power of conditioning. But starting to really have people look at, right, this idea of if you could be bold enough to still keep trying to fly. Yeah. Right. Um, and, I know I used to teach um, public speak and do a lot um, with helping people like get on stages and navigate how to communicate effectively and like be the greatest public speaker they could be. Right. And one of the things I told people is like, hey, you know, they'd come to a workshop. It's like, great. You have all these new techniques. Now, what's going to happen? You're going to go back to work. You're going to start trying the new stuff. And what are people going to say? Oh, you went to that workshop, didn't you? That's some stuff (laughs) you learned at the seminar, isn't it? Right. (laughs) Because people are uncomfortable when you start growing. Right. Yes. People get uncomfortable because they're used to your old way. They put you in a box. You start stepping outside that box. People try to put you back in the box. Yep. But if you are persistent, if you are diligent in your own growth, what happens? Eventually, people will build a bigger box around you. Yeah. They will get over it. <laughs> they yep. will move on and you will have benefited from that growth. But I think it's how do you inject people with that courage? Yes. Right. I that's, people- that's the uncomfortable part. Yes. And, and I tell people, like, people really don't care as much as you think they do. They don't. That's, that's the thing that people have to understand. Like, I'll see people, I mean, I'm s- single now, but like, I used to watch, watch my ex put on 10 different outfits, you know, I was like, just get dressed and go. <laughs> like, I promise you, when you walk in a room, not everyone is going to be looking at you and judging you. Right. It's just not going to happen. Well, well, what's interesting is, I mean, people, people are judging you all the time and no one really cares. 
Exactly. Right. That's, they, that's the key. Nobody cares. And no one cares. They're going to have that split second judgment. And then they've moved on to like, what's for lunch? Like no yeah. one is spending that much energy on you the way you think you are. Yes. I had you. A, I, like I, I was talking with a, with a speaker coach and she, and she told me, she's like, you know, if you want to get taken serious as a, as a speaker, she's like, you know, you can't be going on shows with, with just a tank top on. And I was like, well, A, I own a gym. So this is. <laughs> How this on is brand? Not, could you be any more on brand? Yes. Right? <laughs> it's like, this is kind of what I wear on a daily basis. Like, it wouldn't make sense for me to show up in a shirt and tie. Because, right. <laughs> like, that's not what I wear. Right. So this is me. And I also said, you know, there's one thing my father said, God rest his soul. Hmm. He said to me, he said, people will always see the color, the color of your skin or what's outside. He said, it's on you to help them see past it. Yeah. And so to illustrate that, I went to a chamber of commerce in Northern Rhode Island. So I, I walked in. Now there were, I was, there were two, there was one other black person there. So the rest of white, white people, everybody's in three piece suits. And I walk into my sweatpants. You no, know, my, yeah. my RBF fitness gear. Like, yep. see, see, I got, I got the sweatpants with yeah. the logo and I got, I got all that. I got, I got the hat, the, the winter hat with the logo. Right. And you're very clearly you, the fitness guy. <laughs> yes. But let me tell you, when I walked in that room, you could cut the judgment with a knife. You know what I mean? Like you could just feel it. But at the end, once we were all done talking, people were like, oh, can I get your card? Congratulations on your success. And, you know, because I helped them see past that exterior because right. I dazzled them with my knowledge. And, and people just don't believe that I'm a college dropout. You know, so right. it's about and what one of my other mentors said, she said, be so good that they can't ignore you. Right, right, right. It's, it's that idea. Like, just make it obvious, make yep. it obvious. But I think that where people I think I find a lot of my clients struggle with knowing who they are and then actually owning it in the moment. Yes. Right. Because, you know, you walk into that room. Right. Everyone else is in a suit and you have that moment of self-doubt. Right. Yeah. Or that, you know, that critique. Right. All of that self-bias. And then you start to believe all those voices in your head that tell you you're not good enough. You don't have a suit. You didn't. Right. Yeah. All of those things. So I think the I mean, the real work. Right. The real work is being able to actually stand in that. Yes. Right. I mean, the best the best public speakers aren't the ones who have, you know, fancy words and like beautiful metaphors, although that is helpful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the best public speakers are the ones who are super comfortable being themselves. Yep. Yeah, and that and, and they can connect with anyone, mm -hmm. any mm -hmm. any demographic, any gender, any sexual orientation. It does it doesn't matter what you got going on in your world. The most effective communicators can connect with you, right? But a lot of that people don't realize. I mean, everything is relationships, right? Yeah, right. The first relationship you need to sort out is your relationship with yourself. You, yep. Right, <laughs> like if you're good with you everything else changes, right? So true. Right, your romantic relationships, your friendships, your work relationships, working with, everything changes if you're good with you because you just show up different. Yep. You're not trying to prove anything to anyone. You're not trying to mold it into anyone else's box or idea because you're good with you. And so you actually show up more authentically and ready to engage people in relationship exactly as you are instead of presenting some weird souped up version of yourself which people yep. will find out is fake down the road and that will be bad for the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yep. so, you know, people don't realize like the ability to walk in and be like, yeah, I wear sweatpants to work. Yeah. Yep. You just walk in, <laughs> walk in and you own it. And, own and, it. Yeah. and the thing too though, is that other people will know it. Yes. Other people will know. It's like, I mean, back when we could have crowds in the gym, mm -hmm. you know, like people would walk in and now I sell these to my clients too. So I'm not the only one wear, right. wearing this shirt, but people can walk in and they know I'm in charge. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, so 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 it's it's like when you have that presence, people know it. People right. know it. So they walk in, you'll see 40 people in the class, but they right. zero in on me. Right. It's like, There's something in must be the one. Right. <laughs> and people people always ask, well, how do I get executive presence? How do I show up this way? It's like you got to get comfortable with yourself. Yep. I mean, yep. one of my one of my favorite exercises to give people mirror work, right? It's like I, like every day you take your affirmations and you you speak life into yourself in the mirror until you actually believe it. Yeah. People get so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that comes up. Yeah. I'm like, go look in the mirror and tell yourself you're powerful. Go look in the mirror and tell yourself you're worthy, that you're worth it, that you yeah. that you, you make million dollar deals because that's what you do on a, on a daily. Yeah. Right. People, people get so uncomfortable. One thing I have my, my fitness clients do is to write down a proud moment of, of the day. Yeah. And when I first started it, they were like struggling so hard with it. I was like, guys, like just 24 hours in a day. There had to be one Something. moment. One moment that, that, where you were like, "Wow, that's awesome!" You know, that, that's all I'm looking for. One moment, because if I asked you what went wrong today, you would spout right. off a hundred different things. Right, so that's one. It could be the guy in front of you paid foot for your coffee. It could be, you know, a little girl said she likes your hair. You know, right. like it doesn't have to be anything earth shattering. It's just to step back for a second and to just appreciate the smaller things. Right. Well, I think that's part of the issue, right? Is we're all looking for the earth shattering mountain moving thing yes. and forget that transformation happens bit by bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you could move a mountain or like you could learn like how to take the first step today. Right. And that too is success. And are you actually celebrating that? Or are you waiting for the big momentous thing to happen? Yeah. Right? It's like, like the idea of like overnight success, you know, everyone jokes like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's an overnight success. That was like 15, 20 years in the making. Right. Like people, do, everyone, everyone is always interested. Right in the solution, no one is interested in the process. Exactly. <laughs> so true. Again, I said that in my last show, because, you know, people always ask me how I came up with the title, Sh Shut Up and Grind. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I came up with it. So to me, like, it's not self-explanatory. <laughs> but, right. but I said, because the problem is, I said, here's where you are. Here's what you want. So like people like us, we are the bridge. Right. We're, we're the bridge to get you there. Underneath right. the bridge is all the BS you tell yourself. Right. <laughs> That's what it is. So once we strip away all of the BS, we can get you across the bridge. But you're absolutely right. right. People use those excuses because they don't want to embrace the process. Yes. Yes. Well, it's, I love I love that analogy. It reminds me. I sometimes tell people, yeah, it's, it's a shit sandwich. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> people true. get started like, mm, this bread is delicious. I'm like, just wait for it. <laughs> true it's so right? true one of the biggest things i had to overcome was sales so i don't know how, oh. big, how big into astrology you are but like i'm a i'm a leo right okay. so, so leos love to be loved mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. when you're in sales you're not always loved you know there, right. there's a, a lot of no's a lot, a lot of rejections a lot of you're crazy you're robbing people and and so for the longest time, I avoided that. <laughs> I avoided mm -hmm. it. I, I started doing online stuff. So like I didn't have to face people face to yeah. face. Yeah. But 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 it's like, you know what? If I it's like I'm trying to get my fitness clients to come out of their shell and to embrace the uncomfortable while I'm ducking it. <laughs> I was like, so so I need to do it. I need to do it myself. And I, I feel where we are as humans is we make things harder than it actually is. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, you think of sales, most people, you, you start thinking of like used car salesmen. Like, I don't want to be sleazy. I don't want to be slimy. I don't want to sound like I'm self-centered. Mm -hmm. But if you get into the process, like I just said, here's where you are. 
this is what you want, and here's my process that can get you there. It'll cost right. you X amount. Are you in or out? It's like, right. that's the whole process. Right. But even that, I mean, and I totally agree with you. I think most people have a negative connotation with sales. And yeah. folks, and I, I get clients who are used to selling for someone else, which is very different yes. <laughs> yes. than selling as a business owner. Because yep. now all your personal stuff gets to come up when you're selling what you do and the yep. value you create, right? Because it, it feels really, per the no's feel extra personal, yep. right? At first, right? And so I think a lot of that, though, is helping people really, uh, you know, start to break down what's happen happening for them in terms of value proposition. Right. Again, going back to like, are you actually comfortable with yourself? Are yeah. Do you truly believe that the process that you take people through is worth it and valuable? Because if there's any like seed of doubt in there, if you actually don't believe in what you're selling, then you are just as good as a used salesman. Yeah. Hard, right? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> like sales are easy when you actually believe in, in what you're creating and the product and service you provide. Right. You yeah. know, again, that goes back to like that relationship with self. Right. Yeah. Like, and the problem you solve. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. So like. One of one of my cl clients now, she's um she's a P she has a PhD in psychology. Yeah. And and it's almost like I keep telling her, I'm like, you are too smart for your own good. <laughs> it's, it's like if if you wanna if you wanna start start this program, I mean I gotta, I gotta watch out for confidentiality. Right, right, like, right. You know, if you wanna get this program started and if you wanna reach the masses, not everybody speaks that PhD language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, not, it's like, you got to bring it down a few notches. Right. And she's struggling so, so, so bad with that. Yeah. But, you know, we've only had two sessions so far. So it's like, you know, right, right. I'll bring her down. Right. But, but, Baby but for me, it's not what she's paying me. It's taking her through that process. So then once she gets there and once she finds her confidence, it's like, that's the real joy in what we do. Right. So when you're doing that, it's like, you know, I'm not selling you my program. I'm selling you your end goal. Right. Well, <laughs> that's, that's what people, people forget that sales. And I mean, coming from I, I went to a very specific type of uh, coach training program and they reframe all sales conversations as enrollment conversations. Right. Yeah. It's a, you're always enrolling, always enrolling, which if you've seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right, like always be selling. Right. Yeah. Always be closing. But here it's, yeah. you're always enrolling. And that just means you're always selling people back their own dream. Yeah. Right. I know when I, I think, and I think everyone, every entrepreneur has had this, like when you first start selling for yourself, uh, there's like this like hesitation. There's that resistance. Same thing that you talked about. Like, oh, this feels gross. Right. <laughs> but then you get into a space of really thinking about what is actually happening in these sales conversations. Right. And to your point, it's being able to identify where people are, where they want to go. And you know and can see the bridge. Right. Most clients, people who are approaching, they are not clear on the bridge at all. That's why they need your help. Yes. Right. So now when I walk into a sales conversation, I'm really interested. One, just like for your client, you got to speak it in the language that they're speaking, not your language. Yes. Because you already see the solution. They don't know nothing about that. They don't, <laughs> they don't see all of that. Like, you start talking all that. They're like, you don't get it. Yep. <laughs> I need someone else. So you have to speak in their language. Um, but two then comes this, this piece of, uh, being able to actually take people on that journey and re-enroll them back in their own vision. So when people are signing up, they're buying your product or service, it doesn't cost them anything. They're not paying you. They are investing in themselves. And like you said, you are just the conduit to get them to where they want to go. Yes. But they're in total control. They made it, they set the goal, the vision, the dream. And you're like, yes, I know a way to get you there. Yeah. Will you will you invest in yourself so that I can assist you in doing that? It's right. like, yep. It's like you're in Brooklyn. You want to get to Harlem? I'm the train. 
I'm the train, right? <laughs> and I tell people all the time, and this takes all the pressure off. I am the train. There are other trains. Yep. Right? You decide, am I the train for you? Bingo. Right? And now it's like, no pressure, because I'm going to be good regardless. Yeah. I, I know where I'm going. I'm <laughs> on my own train. Like, I'm doing, you know, I'm going to do me. But if you want support where you want to go, I'm, I'm a pretty legit train, yep. right? So you tell me, and then it takes all the pressure off of like, oh, this is sleazy, or I'm trying to convince someone. Like, if you're up to good things, you don't have to worry about being sleazy. Yeah, yeah, and and, and also, just being your authentic self, you're gonna attract the people that need you. Like, yeah. like I just mentioned, my client. I actually met her. We were both a guest on someone else's show, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then she she was one that asked me about my graphic. It's like, you know, what does that what does that mean? And I'll just tell her. I said, I just have I just have a no nonsense approach because like I don't have time to be dilly dallying in all the nonsense. That was my dad. Right, right, right. That was my dad. Dilly dallying. <laughs> dilly dallying all the time. Hate yourself, Rob. Dilly dallying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but but like he he would say that. All, all the time, you know, just like, just get straight to the point. Like, if yeah. this is what you want to do, these are the steps. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I don't know about then I'm not your guy. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like if, if you are to the point where you're ready to put the work in and get to where you want to be, we can do this. If you right. need to be spoon fed, then th- th- there's people out there that will we'll put you that. on a different train. This train ain't it. We right. are the, we're the Acela train. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, let people know up front. Like, I'm not yep. for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And that is great. Yeah. All right. So, so let's talk. Let's talk about women finding their voice because, like, oh, women, yes. women are my target market as mm-hmm. well. And it's funny because people ask me, they're like, "Well, why don't you train men?" And I was like, "Well, a, a lot of men are a pain in the ass." <laughs> All right. So let's just call. Let's just call it what it is. We have egos. Men are territorial. We think we know everything. Oh, this is interesting. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and. and uh, you know, not, not 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 to offend the men, but hey, you know, we got egos. So just just walk into any gym. You don't have to say a word. Just look around and you'll see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? it it's there. But because I find working with, with, with women, yes, there's a lot of women that empower women, which is awesome. But there's always two points of view. Mm-hmm. You know, like and there's nothing wrong with having a second point of view. So looking at it through a men's lens isn't a bad thing. Right, you know, right. And so getting people to buy into that in the short term, they're like, hey, you know, so the, the first women's empowerment event I did, we had, I think it was like 44 w- women there. But, you know, a couple of them snickered like, why is he here? You know, and so like when I did my, my, my opening, I was like, like, this is an empowerment event. Empowerment can come from anywhere. Right. You know, so like if, if you're willing to seek it, don't shun where it's coming from. Hello. <laughs> right? right. It's like, don't shun oh where it's coming from. <laughs> well, it's so interesting because what, what I found, especially working with um with women and with, with black women, um, and this is interesting too, going back to this idea of like hustle culture and like how we're conditioned to just keep going, keep going, keep going, we're gonna get to the thing. Yeah. Um uh women especially find themselves often overcompensating. Yeah. Right. It is not by accident that so many of your clients have multiple advanced degrees. Right. There is a lot of having to show, having to prove. Um, and that kind of gets ingrained and translated in our minds as like, I'm not good enough. Right. I always have to do more. I have to do more. I have to do more. Yeah. Um, and that very mentality is characteristic of what we would call like more masculine energy, like really driving forceful energy. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of women find themselves in this modern time overly masculine, just like leaning too much into that energy and not actually balancing out 
feminine energy, which is all about actually being able to receive. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're talking about. Like, can you actually be open to someone helping you? Yeah. <laughs> would you, if I said I could support you, would you take me up on that? Or you know, like, I can do it all by myself. Like, yeah. like th there's a balance to these things, right? Like, yes, be driven and receive help. Yes. Right. And so I think a lot of where the world is, is starting to navigate. How do we actually balance out this energetic, like lopsidedness that we found ourselves in? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, we're like, we're, wherever people think we came from, we're designed to work together. Yeah, it was going to be a team. So it's like, you know, I would have I would have a crew of, of female speakers lined up to share, share, share their journey. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, then I would just give another point of view, you know, mm -hmm. so, so it's like you're getting the best of both worlds, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it can resonate. It can resonate with you. And for example, I said, like, if you get a bunch of men that are all now single, what, mm -hmm. what are they going to do? They're going to go to the bar and they're going to bash women. You know, if you get, you know, if you get a, like a, a man dumps a woman and she goes out with her girlfriend, they're going to say, yeah, God, that guy was no good anyway. He was great. It doesn't solve anything. Mm -hmm. So like when I have, when I was dating, it's like, you know, when I have had an issue in my relationship, I would seek out another female. I'd be mm -hmm. like, all right, mm -hmm. all right, what am I doing wrong here? Right. But if you seek out another man, it's just going to turn into a bat. Yeah. My wife's crazy too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Like that, that's how it's going to turn out. Right. And then, right. And vice versa, like one of my clients, when she has has issues with with her husband, she'll come to me and be like, you know, Rob, this is what this is what I said. This is how he he reacted. And I'm like, yeah, because you got to speak that man's language if you want to get through to him, and vice versa. You want right. to get you got to speak her language because your language ain't working. That's why y'all fighting. Right, right, right. <laughs> like you got to speak her language. So just bringing right. that other point of view, it helps. Well, again, but it goes back to this idea of like being an effective communicator. Right. Yeah. And really understanding like where you're coming from and seeing where someone else is at. Yes. And being willing to actually make that jump because yeah. you being stuck over here and what you're doing isn't going to help support someone where they're at. Right. In their yeah. journey. So you've yeah. got to be willing to like shift and move. And oftentimes I think every I tell this to everybody. Right. One, everybody needs therapy. <laughs> and everybody needs a coach. Yeah. Right. When, when I when I teach workshops at the at the corporate level, one of the things, and this is one of my favorite tricks. You, you could you could take this one if you want, but I ask people like, <laughs> raise your hand if you can see your blind spots. Mm, I like that. Raise your hands if you know what your blind spots are. And I always I always wait for it. I'm like, why do we call them blind spots? Because you can't see them. Because you cannot see them. <laughs> Put your hand down. Right. If you are not in relationship with other people who you can trust to point stuff out to you that you cannot see, you need to shift the rooms that you are in. Yep. Right. There is, yeah. you just have to own that there is stuff that you don't see. And that is why you call other people in your life, right? To point the things out to you so you get to move on that stuff. Otherwise, think of all yeah. the stuff that you're missing because it's over here, you know? Yes. And, and as you said, be a receiver. Don't worry about where it's coming from. Right. You know, like if, if your boyfriend or girlfriend who's, you know, living in the gutter and, you know, they're not, it doesn't matter if they see something. You got it. You got to be able to receive it. So I was on a show uh, a week and a half ago. It, it was about like race relations and relationships and stuff. Yep. And so now it's like now I, I was born in New York City, but like my parents moved us up here when I when I was young. So like I was okay. raised very rural. I was raised in the woods. Yep. You know, and so and they they raised us. You know, like we don't make excuses. We push forward. You know, find your path. And do what you got to do to get across that path, regardless of what life throws at you. That's just what's been ingrained in me. That's how I'm raising my kids. Mm -hmm. And so 
on this show, I'm listening to people talking about, you know, the history of, of blacks in America. Like, like, and, and I get it all. I'm, I, I am empathetic to it, but at the same token, that's just another thing you got to get through. So I was listening to this woman talk and now, mind you, I help people craft stories. So mm-hmm. as she's talking, I'm writing down, but she's just talking about her journey in a very negative light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's reached some pretty high success. It's like, yeah, she had she, she had some struggles going through. She had some blatant racism th- thrown, thrown in her face, but she was focused on just that. And so I finally chimed, chimed in and she wasn't very open to my to my questioning at first yeah. you know so she was kind of snapping back at me and i was like i'm not i'm not trying to make you mad i said but what if you said i had to xyz which got me to abc and then i was able to accomplish you know whatever mm-hmm. one two three and that made me the woman that i am today mm-hmm. i'm like what if you said it that way you know then all the other panelists were like ah <laughs> like i see what you did there <laughs> You know, so so instead of taking it in a negative light because you had some obstacles, because everybody does. I say burn victims do, people with one leg do, you know, well, women do, blonde women do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's, there's so many different demographics out there that have hurdles to get over and they have mountains to climb. It, it, it's our job to inspire people to climb them. Yeah. Because you know? hate, because hate is worldwide. Hate's not going anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. like Cain killed killed Abel like shortly after the, after the world was was formed. You right, know what I mean? Right. For those well, I, that those that believe in that. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's it's interesting, right? Because this idea, like, we can always choose the narrative, right, and how yeah. we tell the story, right? Yeah. Um. And and there's like no denying, like, yeah, like you said, like hate exists in the world. There are some heinous things that have have occurred on this planet. Yeah. Um. And I think it's important one to acknowledge them and then actually separate the fact from how we're interpreting the fact, separate the fact from our feelings about the fact, Yeah. right? And there is something really powerful in people being able to acknowledge something terrible that's happened and still choose how they wanna move forward in a way that actually serves them. Yes, and, and serves others. Right. Because my, my point was, that's a awful message to send to young people. It's an awful message. So like when, when I speak in schools, I let them know, yeah, Things things are gonna happen. Things are gonna get said. You might not get a job that you're qualified for. Like I go right down the list. I said, but right. that doesn't have to stop you. It's like you right. just like well, I think, mm-hmm. again, it like it goes back to like, are we actually laying that out up front? Like, yeah. yeah, there are some heinous, like unjust stuff in the world that is going to occur. This yeah. this there's no worrying about if it, this will definitely happen. You will come up against obstacles. So let's come up with a game plan now about how you are going to approach those things. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, you know, she was saying, so, so you're, you're you know, you're saying ra- racism isn't a problem. I said, did I say it wasn't a problem? I said, it doesn't have to stop you. I said, that's what I said. It doesn't have to stop you. I said, sexism is a problem. You're successful, aren't you? <laughs> and she's like, yes, yeah. exactly. That's my point. It's like, I'm sure you had to go, go through stuff also. Right. It's yeah. I think it is, it is that, that reframe of, you know, there's, there's the, there's what happened and then there's the story you tell yourself about what happened. Yes. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. It's like, I mean, people people don't realize that whites aren't even the richest demographic in this country. You know, and I know it's not all about money because they because they still control like the power in the government. But like 
eight Asians are the richest demographics in this country. So, so it's like, well, while whites and blacks are too busy fight fighting over who's oppressed and who's who's the haters, like the Asians just come here grind and get paid. I think there's also some interesting cultural implications to that too, right? Like if we actually look at um, different cultures and how people actually work together as opposed to kind of, I mean, black people are known for being the crabs in the barrel, yeah. right? Uh, we are <laughs> historically are not the most supportive of each other, right? Yeah. Uh, black dollar doesn't get very far before it stops circulating in our own communities. Yeah. I'm sure if you look at money in the Asian community, if you look at money in the Jewish community, that money is locked in. True. That is, they create their own generational wealth, which is just something that I think Black people in America have a hard time with because we're all coming from different parts of the, the, the diaspora, right? So yeah. already we feel great. Like there's a, there's a lot, I think, in that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that I agree with. That I agree you know? with. Like it's definitely, and you said the key word is generational. Yeah. It's like that. that's the thing. Like I said, from my, from my grandfather to my dad to, to me, like we're all speaking the same language. So you know, if we stayed in, in the city, in the projects where we lived, you know, maybe our upbringing would have been different. You know, who, 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 who knows? I mean, but, but just my thing is like, when I'm talking with these kids, like a lot of them, they're already defeated. And they're in eighth grade, ninth grade, dad's in jail, grandpa was in jail, mom's on drugs or mom's ne never home. And they're, and they're just defeated. And, and it's like, and that, that's where I come in. I'm like, yeah, you know, but you can break the cycle. Yeah, it's like it, like you can be the one to change it for generations to come. It's like right. you have the power to change it. Like we we can't undo what's been done, said, but we can write the ship starting today. Right, right, exactly. I mean, again, like people just forget that that's something that's actually within their control. Yes, right? you have your gifts, you have your talents, your intellect, and you have your story. Yeah, it's all about it's all about emotional control. You know, it's all about, I mean, because I like, I'm not going to act like things haven't happened to me. I, I had an ex's mom go on a racist rant right to my face, like mm. right to my face, call me N words and this and that. And I just stood up, went to my ex. I said, we're staying in a hotel tonight because we, right. we were supposed to stay, stay with them because I wasn't going to give her the satisfaction of becoming who she thought I was going to be. Well, you know what? I love that story because it's, it, it's it's in those moments, like recognizing like what's your stuff and what's yeah. someone else's. Stuff. Yes, exactly. Because I'm like, like this like, is all her problem. Like, this has nothing to do with me. I'm gonna mm. just step aside and let that just go right over there, mm. right? Like, but some people you'll get caught up, right? People show up with their own stuff, their own drama, their own issues, right? That have nothing to do with you. They're just projecting it out on you, right? Yeah. Vomiting up their trauma, their hurt, their pain. They're like, oh, I'm gonna just stick this right here. But if you're like, again, if you're clear enough with yourself to be like. This ain't mine. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually like step aside. And when people start projecting that stuff, just let that like go right over your shoulder. Right? Yes. Let that pass by. Be like, I don't, I'm not engaging in that. Uh, clearly you need space to deal with whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just, I'm going to just back up and give you some space. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I'm not in this with you. Yeah. And, and I went back to the house the next morning. I mean, because yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's her parents. So right, I went back right. the next morning. Then her her stepfather come, comes to me. He's like, "Rob, you want to go get a coffee?" Now I'm not a coffee drinker. Right. And and I he was wanted to talk to you. I, I was oblivious. <laughs> I was completely oblivious. I was like, "Nah, nah, I'm good." He's like, "No, nah. he's like, it's just up the road. You want to come for a I, ride?" I was like, "No, no, me. thank you." I'm like, I don't <laughs> drink coffee. And, and then my ex was like, "He wants to talk to you." I was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" <laughs> but he said, "You know." He's like, it showed me a lot about your character that you came back to the house today. 
Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I said, the issue is not me. Right. Like, I, I know who I am. I'm comfortable yeah. on my skin. I'm comfortable yeah. with the color of my skin. I'm comfortable with the energy I, I, I project. She doesn't have the power to take it from me. Right. You know, and like, and like when, whenever I get on the, these race panels, sometimes it can get a little heated. And, yeah. and that's what I tell people. I said, see, but I was like, but you're, you're displaying it right now. You are letting race control your emotion. You know, and you're letting it get out of control. It's like we can address it, we can talk about it, but there's no reason for for you to come out of who you normally are. Right. Well, that's again, it it, it always it. Oh wow, this it always comes back to you. Like, are you really clear about who you are? Yes. Because if you weren't sure if anything she said to you resonated with you at all, and there was like a seed in you that believed anything she said, you would have been triggered. It would have been a full on yeah. argument, right? Yep. But for a lot of people, like they haven't done the work to get really clear about who they are and who they're not. Yeah. Like. People can't pull you into an argument if you're clear about what's true and what's not. Exactly. Right? People call you names, call you this and that and the third. If you can, you know, you don't you don't have to engage in that if you can recognize like, well, none of that is true. Like, this is just nonsense. And you can walk away. But yeah. if you actually believe, if you buy into any of that negativity and see that in yourself, then you're going to be, I mean, now you're, now it's a loss. Now, now you're cursing somebody out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember I, I was in high school. I know we're a little, little over time. Oh, yeah, we, oh, but <laughs> but I remember I was in high school. I had just finished gym class, come, coming out. You know, got, got my books on my hand. Three white white kids are there, and I've never had a problem with these kids. I guess they were itching itching to fight that day or whatever. But like, they knocked my books out of my hand, pushing me up against the locker again, calling me racial names and saying all, all this foolishness, trying to engage me in a fight. And I just bent down, picked up my books. I start walking. Kid gets on my face, and he's like, "Do something!" And I just stared at him. Didn't say a word, and it's like, and because they wanted me to react, right? Like, like, so I'm not going to give it to them. And then I just end up. I said, I'm going to class. I pushed through them, and I walked off to class. So I get home. I'm telling my dad, and he's like, he's like, what? He's like, they they called you the N word. He's he's like, and you didn't do nothing. Like, you taught me to help people see past that. Mm-hmm. Use his own teaching against them. Right. <laughs> I said, so had had I swung. I would have become the N-word that they thought I was. Right. You know? So it's like, that's what they they instilled within me. And that's what I tell my kids. It's like, I don't tell my kids it's all chocolate and ro- roses out there. It's like, they know that there's things they're going to have to deal with. You know, there's mountains you're going to have to climb. It's like, I said, it's my job to make you strong enough to climb those mountains. Right. Like, that's my job as the parent. And when I'm working with, with, with my clients, I let them know. I'm like, like, you can, like, you guys bring forth other human beings. <laughs> I'm like, that is amazing. I'm like, and you're letting, you know, speaking on stage scare you. It's like, you grew a human. You gave up your body for nine months. You can't talk on stage for 15 minutes. Well, I'm telling you, it's just, so, so this is the thing, right? It's, it's again, like the story of the two Benjamins here, right? Like, it's you just got to go back to like, just show them who you are. Yeah, exactly. Show them who you are. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I tell people, all right, so if you go out and you see a great movie, you know, like you brought up Avengers Endgame. When Endgame first came out, everybody was talking about it. So it's like you're with, with your peers, a group of people, and you are sharing how amazing that movie was. And so now I want you to just get up and talk about your, your experience with your divorce. And, and, and they can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, obviously, it's my job to help them do that, right. do it. Right. But just immediately, they, they defeat themselves. Like, you just went on a whole 
thing about ba baking cookies to uh, the, the, the other girls in the class the other day, the protein cookies. Mm -hmm. I was like, and now I want you to get in front of the group and address your struggle because your struggle can help someone else who's going through that struggle. Right. But even in that too, I think the reason why people, I mean, now we're, now we're tapping into like the challenges with vulnerability and people yeah. like showing up and like, you know, that, which is like, that's, I mean, that's the real struggle. It's like, yeah, get to know yourself and then actually share that part with people. Yes. <laughs> the real <laughs> true. The part that proves you're a human and that you make mistakes and life's not perfect. Like people are like, oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. you know, that's where real connection happens. Right. Yeah. See, and, and, you know, people who are other speakers that, that I have on here, like I don't have to preface it with you guys because you guys know already, but for people who aren't speakers and, you know, they're just starting to get on podcasts and stuff, mm -hmm. I have to remind them. Well, I did say it to you earlier, you know, don't go for, for the home run in the first five minutes. Right. Cause, Cause like people are coming like, yes, I did this. I created this. Company. Like, whoa, 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 slow down. No, it's like, this is a whole conversation. Yeah, it's like, it's like nobody even knows you yet. They don't even understand why they should keep listening yet. <laughs> you know? So it's like, you got to slowly unfold the story because people identify with the initial struggles. And right. that's what prompts them to continue to listen. You just say, hi, I'm Marie. I created a billion dollar company. I have, you know, and you just start going into all your successes. People are like, click. Right. <laughs> like, next one. Because you're too unrelatable, right? This is what exactly. people, look, I mean, this is the, I think this is like a, an, another like magic trick for speakers is like um, make a mistake and like own it. Yeah. Yeah. Like true. the best thing you could do, like the audience, they despise a speaker who's too perfect because they immediately think I could never be like that. Yeah. Yep. It's so right? true. Nobody likes that person. You go up there, you trip on your way up, you laugh, you make a joke. They're like, oh my God, this person's so real. I want to hang out with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was telling you beforehand about mispronouncing people's last names. <laughs> it's like, hey, here is Jill. Uh, Jill, tell Jill. me what her last name is. <laughs> real. People are like, this is a real person. We can yeah. hang out. Right. Uh, all right. So what's your number one tip to help women find their voice besides get a coach? Uh, besides, besides get a coach. <laughs> um, do, do your work. Do your work. And when I say work, I am talking about that inner stuff. I'm talking about the nitty gritty inner work, getting really clear about who you are, what you stand for and what you believe. Because once you are clear on that, every other decision is easy. Love it. Absolutely love it. And that's definitely... It's definitely a thing because the first part of my process and my program, I call it the pain assessment. And mm -hmm. it's just getting a clear assessment of your current circumstances. And it, it's detailed and, and people have a hard time just owning where they are because people don't want to feel like a failure or that, you know, they're not where they should be at this stage in their life. Where when I, when I try to tell them, I said, "Don't don't worry about where you are, because we're gonna get you where you want to be. But we just have to start with where you are." Right. Right. You know, yeah, just exactly. Just, yeah, just initial like get super clear. Get super clear. Um, yeah. And not and not just in terms of your journey, but just like in life. Like, what yeah. do you actually believe? What do you stand for? Yeah. What are the things that light you up? What are the things that drain you? Like, be be get clear. Get real yeah. clear. Yeah. Yep. So that's awesome. All right. So people can reach you, mariedevoe.com. I have it up here on the screen and I'm going to put it in the chat as well. So thank you for, for going a little overtime. Oh, no, well. this was a delight. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Good to just what I like to hear. What I like to hear. Yeah. This is, this is one of those things too, where it took me a year and a half to start. So that
and moved the mic and it muted me. Oh yeah, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> so like, I bought the mic, I bought the lights, I bought the green screen, and it sat here for like a year and a half. Oh wow. You know? Now, as I was as I was saying earlier, because you know, you start thinking about like the Joe Rogans and oh, you know, yeah. and all all those people, and, and it's like, why why are people gonna listen to me? And so I just sat on it. But then once COVID hit, I started it pretty much immediately after that. And, and it was just me sitting up here, just talking, had no guests yep. and trying to find guests. And now I just added eight more spots in February and I'm, wow. booked, out, I'm booked out through April. Wow. <laughs> so it's just, just amazing. As we've been saying this whole time, when you just focus on what you want and just get it, just get it, deal yeah. with it. You know, my first couple couple ones, I went live, and now not one person tuned into the live. Right? Not one. <laughs> not one. That's the good stuff, though. I mean, just yes. think when you hit like your 100th episode, you're like, man, I remember when no one was showing up to this thing. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's the story. That's the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying it now. I'm only on, <laughs> on 38. I'm like, my my one on Wednesday is going to be, be my 40th. And like, I'm lo looking at my calendar, like, and it's, you know, I'm getting on podcasts more now. In the last the last ten days, I was on a dozen different podcasts. Oh my goodness! So wow. yeah, like it's starting to start Momentum. starting to go. But I had to have the courage to start it. Exactly. You know, and so that's the message I want to leave with everyone else is you know people tune into this show is because you have things that you want to accomplish. You have things that you want to do that's more than what you're currently doing. You're not too old. You have the time. And if you want it bad enough, you'll find whatever money is needed to get it started. But but I tell you, with this podcast, it cost me about 150, and that was just to get the the, the mic, the lights, and the screen. Every everything else is just coming out here, talking, finding guests on social media, and you know guests that fit the message. Right, right. And then the audience is just is just slowly growing. You know, we're on eight eight different platforms, heard in fourteen different countries. You know, I've had in, I've had international guests on Canada, Ireland, um, Australia. You know, so and I just started it not even a year ago. I love that. And again, like just going back to like just with what you have in your brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing script scripted. I didn't look at your website till this morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we and we're going on an hour and fifteen an minutes now, 15 just minutes. <laughs> just feeding off of each other. <laughs> so. This is the good stuff. I love it. I love it. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Yes, it was. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rob. All right. Have a great day. Bye bye. All right. Bye. All right, guys, thanks to Marie for joining us. So if you haven't, if you're tuning in late, I really, I implore you, go back to the beginning. It's well worth the watch, the listen to, depending on what platform you're checking this out on. And you're going to get a lot of golden nuggets, all right? So she dropped some serious dimes in this one. And as always, I'll tell you guys, you guys got mountains in, in your life. You got to just get through it. No matter what it takes, no matter what obstacles you will put on this earth to do great things. You will not put on this earth to feel less than, to feel miserable, to feel oppressed, to feel judged, you know, and those things are going to happen throughout the journey, but it doesn't have to stop you. That's the essence of shut up and grind. So happy Sunday, everyone. Make it a great one. Have a great day. Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have 
then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.